Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello, and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Hey, all kinds of things, but I should probably flip it back at you, Daryl, and say, hey, what's been going on the last couple of days? Oh, man, it has been, uh, this This week has had pinch me moment after pinch me moment. It's been an incredible week. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I launched Revenue Growth Engine this week, and the feedback, the support, the congratulations, the reviews. Uh, I mean, Larry, it, it is, it's been overwhelming. And I just, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, the most genuine thank you I can to this audience. I, you know, I will say, Larry, when you launched your book a year and a half ago and you hit bestseller status on the first day, I thought there is no way <laughs> I'm going to be able to pull this off. But I, I really, uh, being able to hit international bestseller status uh, on day one was massive. And you can't do something like that without a network of friends. And, uh, you know, those of you who listen to the podcast are friends. And uh, I can't tell you how thankful I am. Larry, um, man, what a blast. What a week. Yeah, it has been. It just goes to strengthen the network. I think it's going to tie in real well with the podcast that, that we're going to talk about today. But it just goes to show you if you would be genuine, if you're real, if you're sincere, and you build an engaging network and you ask for help, they rise to the occasion. And they That's help. right. That's right. And uh, I think we're going to get into that topic today. By the way, if you're new to the Selling from the Heart podcast, welcome. You've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, adding real value. We call it Selling from the Heart. And uh, Larry, we've been talking a lot recently about the Selling from the Heart Insiders Group. But I got to say, it just keeps getting better every week. I'm amazed at how powerful a community of like-minded professionals is right now, especially in this season. And I just absolutely love it. I want to give a shout out to all the members of the Insiders Group. Yeah, you know, I remember in the onset of the crisis that we've all gone through in and you know, you can't remember the last time in history that everyone's gone through the same thing at the same time, no matter where you're at. And it was, I remember the conversation, I go, this is the time to double down on the message. And when you build a sense of community and you build that sense of belonging and you feed it with sincerity and you feed it with educational information and you create that community, they will rise to the occasion and everything else is icing on the cake. And that's what they get in selling from the heart. Well, we definitely like icing on the cake. If you've been to my sales training, you know that. (laughs) The inside joke for sure. Hey, by the way, if you'd love to learn more about that, and we'd like for you to go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash insiders. Larry, today, I can't wait to get into this with our guest. I've been looking forward to this all week long. This is going to be a blockbuster, fun, frank and real interesting conversation. Why don't you introduce our guests and let's dive in. Trying to add oh, more this. So, where, so where, do, where do I start with John Barrows? So, you know, what I really appreciate, and I know his, his shirt's all about make it happen. So I go back and I remember like 20, 25 years ago in my sales department I was in, 
someone would always ask, hey, Larry, what are you doing? I said, hey, I'm just getting it done. Well, John Barrows makes it happen. And it's been so cool. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of what John does for one simple reason. He's real. He's raw. He's relevant. He's relatable. He tells it like it is. And I think that's what people need to hear in sales. We're all adults. Let's just feed us with information that's real and don't sugarcoat it. So on that note, we just can't wait for you to come on the podcast. John Barrows, welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been a long time coming, I think. So I'm I'm psyched to be here. And congrats, Daryl, on the book. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what else we can do here. Oh man, it's going to be fun. And yeah, we are getting it done. That's for sure. But you know the question before we get started on this fun conversation today. You know the question that every guest to the Selling from the Heart podcast gets, and that is simply this: What does it mean to you to sell from the heart? Uh, I would say two things. Uh, one is you got to believe in what you sell. Uh, if you don't believe in what you sell, please go find something else to do. Uh, and then the, the other is you got to give a shit. Um, you know, I think too many people go through the motions and they don't really care. They don't care about the person on the other end of the phone. They don't care about, you know, really anything other than hitting their numbers or, or doing what they want to do for themselves. And I think it's really, I think the situation that we're in right now with, with the COVID and all that other stuff, my hope is the silver lining on this is that we all kind of recenter a little bit and focus on what's important again. Uh, you know, Morgan, as you know, Morgan Ingram, he's on my team and he's a millennial, right? So he was 27 years old. And him and I were having this conversation. He goes, you know what, John, my, um, my generation's kind of grown up in this point and click world in the sense that, you know, if, uh, if I want to catch up on a series, I don't have to wait until next week. And if I miss it, I'm going to lose it, right? I can just go on Netflix or yeah, Netflix and binge watch it all in one weekend if I want to. If I want my favorite restaurant, my favorite meal, I call up Uber Eats and it delivers at my door. If I want to hit my numbers, I got a cadence tool that I can push play on and hit a million people and just get my meetings, right? He's like, we've stopped caring about the person that's on that list, right? Mm -hmm. The email, it's just an email. It's a number. It's not a person. And he's like, this, I think this is an opportunity for us to reset and rethink about, rethink about that person on the other end of that phone, have that real empathy for who we're reaching out to and actually care. And I, so I think that to me is what selling from the heart is. If you believe, if you genuinely believe in what you sell, I've always said this, that sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. That's what it is, is that I believe that strongly in what I do, that if you fit that profile, then my job is to transfer a little bit of my enthusiasm over to you and, and, you know, and move from there. And if you don't believe in what you do, then you're the reason that sales has a bad name. Mm -hmm. right? Everybody who's just out there trying to get their commission, the Glengarry Glen Rosses of the world, the Wolfful Wall Streets of the world, and the Boiler Rooms of the world, those are giving us a bad name because they're just trying to screw customers out of whatever so they can get their commissions. And I fundamentally disagree with all of that because I don't believe in like, I don't believe I sell you anything. I believe I either help you achieve your goals or solve your problems. That's what I do. Yeah, you, you bring up, a, I, I want to touch on something you said when you, when you referenced Morgan. And the word that, that really stuck out, John, was point and click. Mm -hmm. And I think in today's society, you can't point and click a relationship. You can't point and click a conversation. And that's what I really want to drive home because people smell sincerity instantaneously, but they smell bullcrap just as fast. I'll give you a perfect example that happened to me today. So there's this, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who this person is um, because I don't want to call them out, but this is a, it's a LinkedIn influencer. They, and I won't even say he or her, they, they train LinkedIn. Uh, they do training on how to engage on LinkedIn and all that other stuff. And I've gotten a whole bunch of templated emails from them uh, promoting their stuff 
right? Hey, I have this new thing, check it out. And it seems like it's personalized, but it's obviously not. Um, and so I let it pass, whatever, I get it. You know, there's, there is a certain amount of volume you have to do. But I actually reached out to them once and I said, hey, because they were, they were coming up and they were, you know, they, I thought they were doing some okay things outside of what I saw, you know, them hitting me with. So I was like, hey, maybe, maybe this person could be on my podcast. So I was, I was, I sent a personalized LinkedIn message to them saying, Hey, you know what? I think it's about time for you and I kind of like this. I think it's about time for you and I to get on a podcast and have some conversations around some (laughs) stuff, right? No response. So I just, it was what it was. I saw her, I saw, sorry. I saw this person. (laughs) Um, Uh, I saw this person get on with Grant Cardone, who is, again, the the absolute worst case scenario as far as sales concerned. I absolutely hate everything that that man represents. Um, so I just, I didn't like her. And then just today, I get this email, an email from them saying, hey, you know, I got this thing. Would you like to be part of my inner network? I'm doing it for a select few people. And I wrote her back and I was like, no, as a matter of fact, I don't. And this is why. Because every message you've sent me is impersonal and it's all about you. And you actually train this stuff. Now I get, right. and, and looking at the people who are following, right? I mean, I'm not bragging here, but I got like 350,000 people following me on LinkedIn. They're a LinkedIn influencer who trains LinkedIn and how to do it. And they have less than I do. I get about 300 emails a week on, oh. on LinkedIn. I respond to every single one of them. And I don't, and I train part of LinkedIn. I train people how to use LinkedIn and how to social network and all that others, but it's not my main focus. This it's this person's main focus. And yet, I haven't gotten one personalized message from them. Everything I've gotten from them is templatized and everything that they've said is all about them and what they're trying to sell. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So yeah, that- you see it all over the place. I screenshotted an email today. I haven't shared it yet, uh, but it, it was so funny that like the, you know, the three lines of the email on your phone, it said, Daryl, now that we've gotten to know one another really well, <laughs> <laughs> I just started. I was scrolling through my email. It made me laugh. I was like, oh. "This is ridiculous." I don't know who this person is. I'm sure that they've, you know, sent me a sequence of emails that I haven't read. But like that, just like ridiculous assumption that uh, that that uh, just the volume of message equals relationship. Like now that I've gotten to know you really well, are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the the challenge though that we're at right now is I think everybody understands that quality is the answer and relationships matter and all that other stuff, but we're stuck in this weird transition because, mm-hmm. and, and I think we're all in similar, I'm a 44, right? So I'm a Gen Xer, right? When we grew up in sales, it was a bit of a volume game. You know what I mean? It was like, we got to make a million, you know, I made $50, I made $400 a week for five years of my life. You know what I mean? And I was just trying to yeah. trip over opportunities. Now, as we've grown up and we realize that, you know, with ABM and all these different things, that quality is the answer. Personalization matters, right? But the problem is, is that that's not easy to coach to. That's not mm-hmm. easy to, to as a manager. And so you have now a bunch of Gen X managers like us mm-hmm. who, who understand that quality is the issue. But guess what? That's hard to coach to. You know what's easy to coach to? hit the numbers, 50 dials a day, hundred emails. Let me see that. Right. Because it's a, it's a very objective number to look at and say you either did it or you didn't. So it's a lazy way of, and so all these companies are ratcheting up the numbers because they're just lazy from a management standpoint. And so the reps are stuck in this situation where they're like, look, I get it. I I want, you know, I might want to do quality stuff. I might want to do research on everybody I send an email to, but I can't because my boss is telling me I got to make 50 dials a day and I can't make those 50 dials while doing research on every single one of them. So I think we're stuck in this, in this middle ground here. And the unfortunate part is that that volume approach is, is, is inherently going to get replaced by technology. 
inherently artificial intelligence. And, you know, I mean, look at what, I mean, you said it right now, Daryl, we were talking about RVs before we get on here, right? That's right. I mean, like, like you think about something these days and shows up on Facebook as a personalized thing that you were just thinking about. And it's like, Holy crap, I didn't even know. So that's, that's what we crave, but yet we're not allowing our reps to do that. And we're not allowing our, 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 our teams to come up with, you know, unique, you know, approaches that actually do connect with people at a real empathetic level and a real like giving a shit level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so that being said, John, and, and by the way, I agree with everything you're saying. So if we look at this from just a pure leadership point of view, what do you think has to change at the leadership level for them to realize that what's going on just doesn't work? And here's why I say this, because if, if you trickle it all the way down, even to an SDR, BDR level, they know, I, I mean, they're, they're in the trenches, they get it. But then to your point, they go, well, gosh, you know, I understand that quality stuff, but I'm being hammered for numbers. So what's it take at the leadership level to flip the script and change the conversation? Uh, what do you so, think? <clears throat> I, I think it's going to be very hard. Uh, and the reason I say that is because back a few, um, about I think or six or seven or eight years ago or so, uh, there was an interview with a bunch of, it was somebody who interviewed a bunch of the top CEOs of the top companies in, in the world. Uh, and they asked them, hey, if you were to make a decision today that, that, would, that would benefit your organization, that would benefit the environment, that would benefit your employees five years from now, okay? That you made a decision today that you knew was going to benefit five years from now, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it meant you losing one penny, and this was a question, <laughs> one penny off of your stock price. Would you do it? 50 out of 50 of them said no. Because what they said was, if I made a decision now that impacted my stock price by a penny, I wouldn't make it for five years to get that thing, to, to, see, the, to see the output of that. So I think at a very high level, uh, we need to kind of rethink from a societal standpoint what's important and how profits. And, and I'm maybe, just maybe, this COVID is a little bit of a wake-up call for all of us from a corporate level that profits aren't everything. Um, and, you know, we got to be at least human a little bit here and maybe give back every once in a while, not hoard all, all our damn profits and buy all our stock back. So let's start at that level because those corporations can kiss my ass if they keep doing that and screwing everybody else and doing the wealth gap. So now let's take it from the macro level down to the manager level, right? Yeah. In organizations. Um, you know, VCs do that. They push on people for revenue, revenue, revenue. Um, <clears throat> I think the the easiest answer to address this, both from a rep standpoint and from a... Um, from a manager and a leadership standpoint is test, 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 test. I tell everybody right now, you got to be a scientist in sales more than ever, right? If you think you're an artist, good luck with that. I think you need to, because right now, and this is for everybody out there, the message that is resonating the most for me right now, for us right now, and the messaging that we're working with customers on is agility, is around agility. Because right, I think agility is going to be the new competitive advantage moving forward. Because the companies that are just sitting back right now, waiting for this to end, whatever that means, or get back to normal, whatever that means, they're <laughs> going to get they're going to get smoked. You know what I mean? They're going out of business. The yep. ones who are agile and readjusting their product offering, you know, re- readjusting their entire suite of services, their messaging, and all that other stuff, and adjusting, those are the ones that are going to be successful. So us, we got to shift our messaging to do that, right? So we can attract more clients, but we also need to adjust ourselves to be more agile as teams and as individuals. And you can do that by being a scientist. Somebody asked me early, you know, John, if you could go back and tell your 22 year old self something, what would it be? My number one answer to that was A, B, split test everything you do. Hmm. And I mean that across the board, A, B, split test, which means 
Say you're going after CIOs in the healthcare industry. Come up with two different messages to CIOs in the healthcare industry. Make 20 phone calls with this approach. Make 20 phone calls with that approach. See which one yields a higher response rate. Uh, if you have one email that can go out to a group of people and it fit the same persona, say it's 50 emails, send it all, but break it out into two and change the subject line and see which one gets a higher open rate, right? Objection handling. There's no, I always say with objection, handling, there's no rocket science to objection handling. It's just science. Google, best objection handling techniques. There's like 10 of them, you know, 10 core ones out there. Feel, fell, found, reprioritization, clarification, justification, whatever, right? Write down an objection that you're getting hammered on. Come up with two different approaches to it. The next 10 times comes up, do it this way. The next 10 times, do it that way. And this way, if you become a scientist, now let's relate this back to quality over quantity. If you fundamentally believe that quality is the, that quantity is the answer, that, that your reps have to make 50 dials a day, do yourself and the reps a favor and break your team up into two groups. And just for one month, let one group do the volume approach and then let one do the quality approach and see which one yields a higher response rate. And look, if your volume approach yields a higher response rate for whatever reason, because you're in the SMB market and you got to get that stuff out there and whatever it is, then so be it. Great. Keep doing that, but prove it. And I learned in the last point on this, I, this is the reason I, I, I learned this early in my career was because I was a VPS. I was 23 years old. We started a company. I had my, my good friend was a CFO, smartest kid I've ever met in my life. Right. And I was, uh, I was, I was a very emotional, I still am, but I was a very emotional VP of sales. Right. And so what would happen was I'd work my ass off. I'd be working 17 hours a day as the only salesperson in this organization trying to get this thing going. And we'd grow, you know, we did a great job. We grew pretty fast. And then at the end of the year, my CFO would come and say, all right, John, we got to double, we got to double our revenues next year. And I'd be like, all right, Calvin, well, I, you know, I, I, so how much more budget do I get? How many more people can I hire? And he'd be like, oh no, 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 we don't, we, we don't have any budget for hiring or, or anything else. You just, we have to double our revenues. And I'm like, but I can't. And I had this emotional response, right? And what happened was I would, I would get all frustrated, but I never had any legs to stand on. He always had better information and it was, it was either that or he was going to find somebody else. So what did I do? I became a scientist. I started tracking every single lead, every single channel, what the conversion ratios were, where they came from and all this other stuff. So at the end of the following year, when he came to me and I knew the, I knew the, the mandate was coming, he said, John, we got to grow another 50% this year. I'd be like, okay, okay, Calvin, that means I need, uh, I need to hire two more inside sales reps that generate seven meetings a month per rep. I also need another thousand dollars a month so I can dump that into SEO because our conversion (laughs) ratios are here. And therefore I can be able to hit your numbers. And he'd be like, well, we don't have the budget to be able to hire two new reps and a thousand. I'd be like, well then Calvin, I can't hit your numbers. And it was a, it was a spreadsheet that literally I pushed a button. And as soon as he saw that, he was like, holy shit. Oh, okay. And then we actually started having real conversations. Right. And so if you're a sales rep right now frustrated because your manager is pushing on you to hit 50 dials, to hit 100 dials, do yourself a favor. Extend your working hours. I know this is hard for people to say, oh, I got to work hard. Oh, shit. My bad. I got to go by beyond nine to five. Uh, suck it. If you want to actually be successful, work your ass off. All right. So do your nine to five with what your boss tells you to do. But then from six to eight or whatever it is, do your quality approach. And at the end of the month, come to your boss with some data and say, look, I did it your way. And this is what happened. Off hours, I did it this way, and this is what happened. What do you want me to do? And if your results were better on the quality side of the house and your boss still pushes you to do quantity, go find another job. Amen on that one. Hey, Daryl, I didn't know we had Dr. John Barrows in the house. That was Ooh. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And, you know, the quality side, and this goes, goes to what we were talking about pre-show, I, 
if you're going to A-B test something and you better have, you better have some value. <laughs> this is, I mean, you better bring some substance to the table. Larry, you talk about empty suits all the time. I think right now more than ever, you know, the empty suits are getting sniffed out. I mean, they're, they're, you know, if you don't know your stuff, if you don't have something to bring to the conversation, you know, just clicking the mouse on a sequence or throwing, you know, some jargon out there on LinkedIn or it, it's, it's just not, it, it's not going to get you anywhere. It is, it didn't before, but it certainly won't right now. And it feels like the, you know, the empty suits are, have been on full display, especially since oh. we started this virtual selling world. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you bring up a great, you bring up a great point because I'm a big believer in this. I mean, there was a gap before, cause mm-hmm. I talk about sales professionals versus sales reps. And then obviously the last chapter of selling from the hearts an empty suit. Well, now that gap has just become the size of the grand Canyon, mm-hmm. the difference between a sales professional and an empty suit. And maybe there's a good thing. And John, you alluded to it. This is probably a good thing that happened. The situation we've all gone through because it's, is exposed the riffraff and the empty suits. And now sales professionals, those have risen to the occasion are a shining light in the sales world. Yeah. I mean, I was saying earlier that, that I start every, so for the past 10, uh, eight years, probably I've started every single one of my presentations off with death of the average sales rep. Right. And I put the picture up of the movie and I put, and it's average, but I say not death of the salesman, right? Because people say sales reps are going to get replaced wrong. I actually think sales reps are going to become far more valuable. Sales professionals are going to be far yeah. more valuable in the future. Okay. Um, but the average sales reps, the ones who are just push and play on their cadences, making generic phone calls, asking bant questions, push and play on their demos. I was always saying, Hey, that was going to, like that was going to get replaced. Right. And I was watching it, artificial intelligence. And a lot of these tools, like we're teaching the machines how to do our job. It's like, just like back in the manufacturing days, when those people at the manufacturing used to lines, you said, Oh, there's no way a, a computer can punch this widget as good as I can. Like there's, there's, they, they need the personal thing here. No, they don't. You're an idiot. Right. And so I, I thought, but I thought it was going to be a gradual replacement over the course of 10 years. Right. Now, COVID comes, smacks us all right in the mouth. And now all those reps who are average and not paying attention and not looking at this as a real profession and trying to get better every day and actually caring, those are all the ones that are getting replaced. Those are all the ones that are getting laid off. And I got to be honest with you, I don't feel too bad. I mean, look, if you got laid off for no fault of your own, you were working your ass off and your company just had to shut down or whatever, look, I feel for you. I really do. Um, but if you were a... Uh, uh, Average to below average sales rep going through the motion, showing up and just doing your thing and pressing your play. I, I have zero sympathy for you. Zero. Hopefully, this is a wake up call for you to get off your ass and you're listening to podcasts like this and you're trying to improve yourself and you've made a decision that you want to get better because those are the ones that are going to get hired coming out of this. But I got no. And by the way, this isn't just sales reps, this is any profession. Oh, Anybody totally out great. there. Anybody out there who's been going through the motions and not caring about getting better at what they do, this is why I fundamentally disagree with like tenure. Like kiss my ass tenure or merit raises just because you've been someplace for a few years means you get an extra bump in pay. Like, oh, I, I got my 5% merit raise this year. Well, were you 5% better this year? I mean, okay, if you were 5% better this year than you were last year, then I'll give you a 5% raise. But just because you've you've lasted here for more than five years without getting fired, that doesn't mean I should give you a fucking pay increase. You know what I mean? Like, give me a break. So true. 
what what can reps be doing right now? So let's say I'm that rep. And by the way, the good news is we don't have below average reps listening to selling from the heart podcast. I don't think so. I don't think they last very long around here. Um, but they may not even know what a podcast is. Sorry. <laughs> but, but no, in all sense, in all seriousness, you know, if if you're coaching a sales rep right now who's gone, you know what? Holy crap, I gotta bring it to the next level. Um, you know, I've got to up my game. But just, you know, this this new season has kind of exposed me in a few areas. Where do, you, where do you think, what where are the areas where sales reps can get the, where do they need to up their game? Where's the low-hanging fruit? Where's the hard work need to be done? Uh, you know, it depends on the sales rep, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the cool thing is, is that there's so much, con- there's so many resources out there right now to get better. There's books, there's podcasts, there's master classes, there's, you know, there's a million different, like, so let's put it this way, right? Uh, it, it went overnight. We turned from a, uh, from a, employee driven market to an employer driven market, right? Now right. there's, uh, there's millions of sales reps out there looking for jobs, right? <clears throat> if I'm now hiring, right. And I'm looking at, instead of getting five resumes a day, I'm getting 500 resumes a day and I'm sifting through all that stuff and I'm going through interviews. One of the questions I'm going to ask you is um, what have you been doing with your time off? Right. So what have you been doing with your time off? And if you just sit there and say, well, you know, I've been, been, been watching Netflix and, you know, and working on myself, taking a break because I really wanted to recenter and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Thanks for coming in. It's been great. It's been great right. talking yeah. to you. But if you're like, yeah. Hey, I've been diving into the selling from the heart podcast. I've taken these courses. I signed up for masterclass. I took this training. Yeah. I did this, whatever it is. That's the kid that I want to hire. Right. I want to show, right. I want to see the kid that's trying to improve themselves. Um, I think business acumen is something that I would focus on a lot more. Um, I, you know, for me, unfortunately, my business acumen early in my career was a byproduct of my activity. I didn't take it seriously. I just kind of, I would go into a CEO's office and I would, and I would ask a stupid question and the CEO would say, that's a stupid question. I'd say, okay, I won't ask that. You know what I mean? And that's how I learned right now. I would be way more proactive with my business acumen. I would read stuff that CEOs read, I, you know, yes. depending on who my target audience was. Um, you know, I, I would, I would really try to understand what these people, you know, going back to empathy, right. What these people go through, what they care. I would interview, I would do informational interviews with uh, people that I aspired to be like, I would network with as many people as possible and ask for referrals at every level I could possibly ask. Um, I mean, people are looking to help other, other people out right now. You know what I mean? Like people are, if you take the right approach, people are willing to help and they're, they're looking to help, right? Cause everybody knows that people are in tough shape right now. And if you're in a position of, of being fortunate enough to still have a job and to still be, you know, in a position where you can provide for your family, there's, I think there's a little bit of a, a you know, a, survivor syndrome going on right now with mm-hmm. some people saying, I mean, I, I've actually talked to plenty of organizations where they fired a whole bunch of their reps. The reps that are left psychologically are sitting there going, why wasn't I fired? When am I going to be fired next? Right? So, so there is this, Hey, I feel fortunate to be in the situation that I am. So I want to try to help somebody else for the most part in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's leverage that and, you know, and, and, and identify for yourself, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Like where do a SWOT analysis of what you're really good at. And I'll, and I'll, I'll lean in on one more than any, which is prospecting. Yeah. I, I, like I, there's, because of this predictable revenue model that we've fallen into, look, I'm all for predictable revenue as far as, I actually thought that model was going to break regardless of COVID because 
it makes a lot of sense for organizations to segment the roles, right? Because, you know, you get the first, you get the, you know, the junior kid who's the inbound and then they get their teeth cut and then they do outbound to setting, just setting up meetings and then they get to be an AE and then they grow up to be enterprise, right? Yep. That is fantastic for an organization to help scale because you can hire young, cheap, and then build your sales organization. You have this nice scalable model. Uh, it's a horrible experience from the customer standpoint. Who wants to be talked to six times before they actually, who, who wants to talk to five different people before yeah. they actually get to somebody they want to talk to? And I think it's stunted the growth of, of sales reps, hmm. right? And now when, because now they look at as prospecting as, ew, that's just what I, you know, ugh, right? Yeah, like that's for, yeah. that's for kids. I've graduated right. from that. I don't have yeah. to prospect anymore. And I don't, I mean, again, we're all in the same age range here. I grew up as a full cycle sales rep. I, it was, yeah. here's your territory, John, good luck. And so right. I had to prospect, meet, and sell, and close all at the same time. So I, I evolved as a sales rep a lot more, a, a lot quicker yeah. into a much more well-rounded sales rep. And today, when I hear an AE say, oh, I didn't hit my numbers, or I'm not getting enough leads, or whatever it is, if I was a manager right now, and you missed your number as an AE, and the reason you told me was because you didn't get enough meetings from your SDR or your or, or marketing, I would fire you before those words even came out of your mouth. <laughs> and, I, and I just don't under, I fundamentally yeah. don't understand why you would, you would leave your success up to somebody else. Why would I, do, why would I leave my success up to somebody else? I want to own my own success. Whatever an SDR, whatever marketing gives me is icing on the cake, but I'm going to hit my target with my own. And I, if there's any skill that I recommend anybody getting great at and staying great at is prospecting because there's one, there's one solution that solves all other problems at every other stage of the sales process, negotiation, objection, handling, closing, all that stuff. And it's a big fat pipeline. You got a big fat pipeline. You don't have to try too hard on the rest of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you, you, bring, you bring up a great point because here's, here's what I'm really concerned with. And I'll just look at seniority just for a second is I really believe and I'll tell sales leaders, I think the most vulnerable people on your sales team right now are your tenured sales reps. 100%. Those ones that have been taking care of, right, your top accounts and all that. Yeah, and I'm sure they're doing a fine job and I'm not here to rock the boat. But the conversations they're having are totally different than the conversations you need to have when you're prospecting. So meanwhile, you have all these tenured reps who are driving and engaging conversations with current clients. I'm all about supporting it. But guess what? You have to go out and find new conversations with new people and start new relationships. And that's where tenured sales reps, they get exposed because they're just, they're just, they don't know what to do. Not even prospecting, but now sitting at home. You can't go out to golf now. You can't go out to dinner now. How are you going to show value? How are you going to, how are you going to do that now? Right. That old school, Hey, let's buddy, buddy, whatever it is. You're going to get some kid with half your, half your age and half your skill. Who's going to know how to show value in a remote world like this. And you're getting smoked. You just better hope you're old enough right now to be able to ride the, ride the final wave so that you can just retire and, and, and hang up your shing, you know what I mean? And go away. Um, because, it, it, because I agree with you. I think the senior AE, uh, like old school enterprise sales executive is a dying breed. I really do. Yeah, no doubt. Well, not all of us can just uh, uh, just coast into retirement like Larry. So this, you know, we got to oh, come on, Daryl. You're older than I am. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting an RV. So there you go, right? 
It's not just for the old people anymore. That's right, John. Hey, hey, are, look, you gonna start li- hey are you guys going to start listening to podcasting or RVs on podcast? Or Probably, I'm going to get a CB radio for crying out loud. I'm gonna- <laughs> driving down the road, talking to each other on the CB. Hey, what's your ham? I'm going to over the CB. It's going to be great. I'm going to get a ham radio. I'm, I'm going all. I'm going straight old school. I'm going That's off the Bermuda <laughs> shorts, Hawaiian shirt. We're going to have so much fun. Hey, John, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah. We're going to continue the conversation uh, in the insiders group. But man, I just, I love, I just, everything today has been awesome. Just so spot on. I appreciate all that you're doing. Um, if you, if you haven't followed John, you got to get in this guy's network, get in his world because it's real talk 24 seven. Uh, it's great stuff. And, and uh, man, I'm just, I'm glad we got to share time with you today. I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. Yeah. And to the rest of the audience and selling from the heart, uh, once again, just as I was saying at the top of the show, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Also, thank you to everybody who's been leaving reviews on this podcast. What's great about the Selling from the Heart podcast is every time you leave a review, it helps us spread the word. We're now in the top 200 business podcasts, which in the landscape of 300,000 podcasters and more growing every day. That's amazing, Larry. Uh, but it's all, all due to you, uh, all our audience, our friends out there spreading the word. So thank you for that. If you haven't left a review, when you when you hit pause at the end of this episode, before you cruise into the next episode, pull over and give us a few sentences. I sure would appreciate it. Other than that, till next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value. I mean, where do I where do I tie up? I always sum up the episode. Don't be an empty suit. And most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.